0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. What's the hard decision you should probably make?
1: Hey, listeners! Welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg,
0: and I'm Leah Smart. And today we are jumping in with Alyssa Merwin. So, welcome, Alyssa. Thanks for being on. Thanks
2: so much for having me.
0: Awesome. So, Alyssa is the VP of Sales Solutions for the Americas here at LinkedIn. She has been with the company for nine years. It is now, and uh, Alyssa, when's your your anniversary?
2: January would make uh, would make a decade. Make a
0: decade. Amazing. Okay. So that's a big part of the reason we wanted to have Alyssa on was she is one of our most tenured female leaders here at LinkedIn. So definitely someone we are inspired by. And she's incredibly passionate about personal and professional development. So we are looking forward to kicking off with her and spending some time talking about life and leadership.
1: We are so excited to have you, Alyssa. Thanks for joining us. So we have a tradition here on In the Arena. We love to kick it off with some speed dating questions this is a way for us to get to know you a little bit better and to have you jump in the arena with us. Are you willing to jump
2: in? Absolutely, let's do it.
1: Awesome. Okay, I do wanna highlight um, or mention that we are in the middle of a pandemic right now, COVID-19. It's early April, so here in the US, we've been working through this over the past month or so. So just wanna put that out there, Um, definitely a sensitive time for all of us. And with this, we've been quarantined. And so we've all been watching a lot of TV and movies, I'm sure. So, Alyssa, curious, what is your favorite TV show or movie that you've watched in the last month?
2: Well, I've been, been revisiting some of the classics from uh, you know, the earlier days, like Cocktail and some of the, the great Tom Cruise movies, but the one that I've been binge watching recently is called The English Game. It's a six-part miniseries, so a great, you know, great one to knock out in just a couple of days. And it's just about the the start of soccer in, in the UK. That sounds so cool.
1: I'll, I will need to add that to my list.
0: And then Alyssa, what is your cell phone wallpaper right now?
2: Uh, right now, it is a picture of my fiance. Nice.
1: Congratulations. So if you had to be quarantined anywhere in the world, where would you choose to
2: be? I. It was a toss-up between a tropical island or something Uh, a bit cozier, but I'm actually going to opt for a little stone cottage in the English countryside where I can get away from it all and go for long, long walks in the the country. Sounds so lovely.
0: We will join you there.
1: Okay. So really interested in your story. Like really, can you kick off just telling us who you are? Um, How'd you get here?
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, as you mentioned, it's been uh, I've been at LinkedIn for quite a while. In fact, I've only worked at two companies so far in my career. I spent the first nine years at a company called uh, the Corporate Executive Board, which is now owned by Gartner, and and then I moved over to LinkedIn as a frontline manager and. You know, that transition in and of itself was sort of a not obvious one, at least on paper. Um, I was running a pretty large organization and had an opportunity to take a very big promotion at uh, at the corporate executive board. But when I got connected to LinkedIn, there was an opportunity to take a much, much, much smaller role. I think that just for sense of comparison, it was, I probably would have been leading about 100 people uh, in the, the promotion opportunity at my old company um, or frontline managing five reps at LinkedIn. And so on paper it was one of those crazy decisions, but as I was talking to the hiring manager at LinkedIn, Peter Kim, who uh, who brought me in, you know, we had a conversation about, you know, what is the arc of your career that you're optimizing for? If you're optimizing for the next 1 to 2 years, you probably want to stay where you are. It's a you know, it's more scope, it's more responsibility, it's more seniority, but if you're optimizing for the longer arc and thinking, you know, longer term about the growth and the, the the things that you'll be able to do over time at LinkedIn, said I'm pretty sure that there's there's no doubt that there'll be more interesting opportunities here over time. And so I had to make some decisions about you know was I more interested in what looked good on paper and what was sort of the burden hand and the bigger opportunity today, or was I willing to take a bit of a bet. And hope that over the the course of time at LinkedIn, there would be more interesting opportunities and and ways for me to grow. And so I obviously went with the the latter decision, even against the guidance and advice of some (laughs) friends and and mentors who who thought I shouldn't have done that. And so anyways, I I made the decision to come and Of course, it was the best decision I ever made.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm so curious. What did you learn from that experience?
2: Well, one of the things that I, I learned was... It's really important to look at the the opportunity to grow and to learn different skills and from different people, and not necessarily letting my ego make the decision about what the right opportunity was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when when I was interviewing at LinkedIn back in the day, uh, it was a you know much smaller company. We were pre IPO, and it was fewer than a thousand. We were fewer, fewer than a thousand employees, and so I was interviewing with some of the senior most leadership and it was very clear to me that the kind of leaders we had at linkedin were very different than the kind of leaders that we that, that i had been exposed to and you know i had aspirations to maybe one day run a company and i realized if i keep doing what i'm doing at the place that i am i'm probably not going to grow as expansively as a leader and and be as as strong of a leader. And so that was a big part of making the decision to move to LinkedIn was these are going to be the people that I've got to learn from. And man, was it a lot of learning. I uh, I definitely fell on my face a number of times that first year or two that I came to LinkedIn and had to learn some lessons the hard way, which we can certainly talk about. But that was part of the journey that I needed to be on in order to grow as a professional and grow my career.
0: Thanks for sharing that. I I took a couple things. I love that you said optimizing for the arc. And it sounds like a lot of your your decisions have been around taking risks in life and in career. And I'm curious, I'm actually curious, Alyssa, too, can you tell us a little bit about like, I'm not going to pry, but whatever you want to share about just your own personal life, like, where'd you grow up? Who are you? All that good stuff.
2: Yeah, sure. And, and there is a bit of a theme around risk taking, although I'm not sure I would have thought that, that that would be a theme in my life. But yes, I grew up in in Florida, an only child, and actually have lived in a bunch of different places across the the course of my sort of earlier part of my life. i I uh, ended up going to school in Massachusetts and then I spent a year abroad in Paris studying with with my college but also in the French school system. Then I uh, moved to washington, d c to in work at the corporate executive board. And then I was an expat in London for a couple of years with, with them and got to travel all over Europe and South Africa uh, for my job and then also Australia. So it was this incredible way for me to get to see the world. And I just absolutely loved the opportunities that sales provided. And then ended up moving to New York and making the decision to come to LinkedIn and then moved out to San Francisco, which is a personal decision then recently moved back to the East coast and now I'm living outside of Washington, DC. And, you know, on the, the theme of risk, There were definitely some of those decisions that were, again, not obvious, even the decision to go be an expat. It it wasn't necessarily a good career move. It was the thing that I wanted to do personally. And I just felt like if I had the opportunity to go live in another country and work and get that experience, even though it may set me back in some ways from a career trajectory perspective, it was going to enrich my life. And so that was an easy decision. Um, So that was one. On the personal side, and I'm happy to you know go there. Uh, I got divorced about a year and a half ago, and that was really a tough decision that I had made around you know being with someone who was a wonderful person, but realizing it wasn't my person forever. And you know, in a lot of ways, I think it might have been easier to stay together, but it felt like it was really important to be you know optimized for my happiness. And you know, I had been living in a place of fear for a long time, and realized that I needed to stop making decisions or not making decisions based on the fear of the unknown and make a decision that, you know, I may not know what's on the other side, but, but hope that it's going to all work out okay. And, uh, you know, as I shared a minute ago, I'm now in a new relationship and couldn't, you know, couldn't be happier. And so, it, but if I had let myself stay in that place of uncertainty and fear, I would have been in a pretty unhappy relationship for who knows how long.
0: Yeah, um, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I'm like, there's there's 15 directions I want to go right now, I'm sure, Jackie, too. The living in a place of fear. And I mean, you've you've seem to me, just knowing how many places you've lived, that you're an incredibly adaptable person and you seem like you're also an incredibly brave person. Both of those things just seem to kind of be like coming up. And even though you've you've had this amazing career success, I'm also just hearing like you really were following your heart in a lot of these areas. And that's how you ended up making these decisions would you say that you would like would you say it that way or what like you said optimizing but like it just sounds like you're following what you know to be true somewhere and you even mentioned ego and fear
2: yeah i think that is it is true I mean, you know people ask me for career advice often and i always i feel like there is a follow your heart element to, to through the right career decisions and you know i'll share one other quick story because i think it's it's indicative of being willing to take the risk and in a situation where it actually didn't turn out that well on the back end. But when I was early at LinkedIn and I had just gotten married for the first time, uh, we decided to take a, a prolonged honeymoon. So we, I took a leave of absence and we, we took three months and we went and traveled the world for our honeymoon, which was an incredible, incredible experience. And I knew that there was a risk that while I was gone, uh, my job could go away, or I could, you know, come back to a situation that was not as ideal as the one that I had left. But we had decided that it was worth the life, you know, enrichment opportunity and the life experience to go do this, take this trip, and and take the time to travel and and to see the world together. And my boss at LinkedIn was super supportive, and so it was this great opportunity. And while we were gone, it was about halfway through the trip. I got an email that said, uh, we're doing a reorganization and your role is going away. And so it's the, the worst mm. possible scenario that I could have imagined in terms of, you know, career impact. And I wasn't around to navigate at what was next. That email included a note that said, you know, we'll we'll make sure that we, you know, take care of you and we'll figure it out once you're back. But what happened is while I was gone, there were some decisions that were made and there was only one role that was left. And it was again, the role that was not the ideal role on paper. It was sort of the less interesting uh, of the opportunities, but I, you know, was sort of out of sight and out of mind. And the other people that were still at LinkedIn and working, you know, I think appropriately were get, given the, the better opportunities. And so I, I ended up uh, taking over a, a new part of the business that I had to interview for. And again, interviewing for a role that my heart wasn't really in at the time. But I realized that once I got into that job, it was an underappreciated and sort of overlooked part of the business at the time. And this was back in the talent solutions business, leading the RM1 organization, so our smallest sort of most transactional SMB accounts. And Again, it just was, you know, a smaller portion of revenue, smaller accounts, not quote unquote strategic in the same way that other parts of the, the the business were looked at. But when I got in and started working with the the reps on the team and the leaders and started to get to know those customers, I realized it was a part of the the business that we just hadn't really paid a lot of attention to up until that point. And so we hadn't There was was so much opportunity. It really shaped a lot of my perspective on my career in that sometimes the less exciting things on paper actually end up being the the greatest opportunities. And I guess there's a theme there too. But it turned out to give me a great platform to make an impact, to help us think differently about uh, product market fit and uh, marketing to those customers, and how we needed to, you know, design and orient our organization differently. So it really teed me up for some amazing. Uh, opportunities that came next that I never would have expected.
1: I love that you shared that story, Alyssa, because, you know, when you were sharing your life and the risks that you were taking, and while some of the decisions that you made were not obvious, which you pointed out, you still, to Leah's point, kind of followed your heart and took those decisions. And in the back of my mind, I'm saying, wow, that it seems incredible. Like she got all these travels and these life enriching experiences and wow, that sounds so wonderful. And so I'm so glad you shared like a real challenging situation that happened where you Literally lost your job while you were doing this life enriching experience. I find that so relatable because so many of us don't want to be taking those risks or going outside of our comfort zone because of the fear that you mentioned. And you were able to surpass that and you still got that challenge. But what I love is that you were able to turn it around to that opportunity. And I'm curious, what do you need? What do people need to see that opportunity? Is it a growth mindset? Is it grit? Is it, you know, listening to their heart or their intuition? Like, what does it take to kind of be in that position to
2: see things in that light? Yeah, I think the first part is allowing yourself to feel the emotion. So when I came back from that trip and found myself with very limited opportunities and having to interview for a new role, I was, I was angry and I was frustrated. And to be honest, I was fearful. I didn't know where I was going to land or what, it was going to lead to. And I think it's important to let yourself spend a little bit of time there, but not too much time. So, you know, one thing that my old manager had said to me that really, really helped me through a a difficult time on a different occasion was, you know, top performers take feedback the hardest, but they bounce back the fastest. And I think I've applied that in this case, it wasn't necessarily feedback, but it was, I've taken this situation pretty hard and felt pretty crummy about it, but I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to move forward. And that was important to both allow myself to go there and then to not stay there for too long and find a productive way out. And so uh, I did that. And you know a couple of days later, I found myself in this new role and I went into it with open eyes and, and an open heart and trying to look at where can I help and add value. And I think that was what allowed me you know, to really grow in that role was looking at all of the things that had been overlooked or hadn't really been considered for this part of the market and what we could be doing differently. And so, yes, I guess it, you know I hadn't thought of it at the time as a growth mindset, but that was absolutely an important part of being able to dive into a new opportunity and, and figure out how to flourish in it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds
0: like um one of the the things that that you mentioned too is processing. So in coaching we talk a lot about processing your emotions and allowing yourself to be with them. So it, you know, you said like just letting myself feel the emotions whether it's anger or sadness but just sitting with them actually is what allows them to move through you versus holding them and then they come out somewhere else, right? And they they make they may come out on someone else that didn't deserve to to have the experience of your emotion. So I love that you you incorporate that. And I'm, I'm curious, too, because you, you've also alluded to the idea of finding silver linings, right? Like you were going for a job that your heart wasn't really in, but it ended up having some, I think you said it was like an underappreciated role and having some areas that allowed you to flourish and grow. And those are really, when I think about, you know, leadership qualities, those are both really valuable qualities of a leader and really of a, a, a human being, right? Like we all would aspire to be able to do those things. I'm curious, how do you lead the people that you, that directly report to you in this way? How do you get them to, to kind of look at life in the way that you have?
2: Well, I I mean, I think you hope you can impart some of the better parts of yourself or the way that you've uh, experienced life and your career to others. And maybe one thing I'll share is, uh, you know, I have also spent a lot of time with executive coaches in my own journey of professional and personal development through so many different avenues. And it's been so impactful for me that I created a program uh, that we're calling Empower, that we rolled out to the entire sales organization of you know a few hundred people, which was all about looking inside and being introspective about you know what what is for my truth and where am I perhaps vulnerable but not acknowledging it? How is it showing up and impacting the people around me? And the the, the whole program is about building confidence and being able to have really open conversations with each other about how we're showing up and how we're not. And, and it's given us a language to be able to have those conversations. And, you know, I don't think there are uh, a lot of companies that would encourage you or, or, you know, allow you to have such open and raw and real conversations uh, at this level, you know, because we really are bringing this to, you know, some people who are just out of college, all the way up to people that have, you know, had long, illustrious careers and everything in between in, in having those conversations and giving us all the tools uh, to be able to to go there. And so I guess that's maybe the, one of the ways that I've uh, been able to impart some of the work that I've been doing over the years and hopefully give people tools that they can take with them through their careers and their lives.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash Promises Pay Off. From LinkedIn News,
3: I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. So come figure it out with me on the Hello Monday podcast. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets.
1: The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all.
3: Or NYU professor Scott Galloway on choosing a career.
1: I think the worst advice you can give a kid is follow your
0: passion.
3: Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are
1: surprisingly important.
3: Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday with me, Jesse Hempel, on the LinkedIn Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts
1: as you know our mission of this podcast is humanizing work through real conversations and what you are doing with the empowered program is just that and i do think that other companies that maybe aren't doing this type of work or at that level may look at something like that and say how do you measure the success of that and you know it's always about the metrics right and so curious What do you look at? Where do you see the LinkedIn as a company or you as the leader of this program looking at, is this successful?
2: Well, I've been doing this work with my leadership teams over the past four or five years. And, you know, so those would be teams of, I don't know, let's say 30 to 40 leaders in some of the different businesses I've led. And each one of those businesses has been one of the top performing businesses in the company so it's hard to say <laughs> there's you know causation versus correl- correlation or or otherwise but i you know I, there there's no doubt that when you're as a leader able to bring a level of openness and honesty and directness to your leadership team and to have the hard conversations and to have the supportive conversations but you know really think really where we get to some of the meat of this is how are we not showing up as leaders and and what do we need to do differently it starts with us when you can have that on a consistent basis and that feedback flows in all directions you, I think you can't, you know, there's, I guess, no surprise that you would have top performing teams. So I think that's one part of it. With the latest Empower program where we brought it to the entire organization, we, you know, we did some surveys to understand people's understanding and, and awareness of their own opportunities for growth, the level of openness and the caliber of feedback that's been shared, the level of confidence, and so we were able to do some pre and post program surveys that were pretty eye opening and incredible in terms of the impact of that even a a one day session can make. Now, the reality is, and of course, the proof is how how does how does this uh, persist over time? And so that's where building the language and continuing to build on this, these skills make a real difference. And you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, I'd love to say that we were able to increase our forecasts and have better results, I think, in, in the year that we're in right now with COVID and everything going on in the, in the macro economy. I think it'll be interesting to see how, how we fare. And it may be less about results right now and more about how do we support each other through this this difficult time. And I do think that our team is doing an incredible job of connecting and continuing to have the, the open dialogue and feedback, even in the face of a lot of adversity on the you know personal and professional side.
0: The thing that I think is tough for anyone who's ever had a coach or been a coach is we're applying a really objective measure to a very subjective thing, which is who we are as people and how we grow and change, and so you can't always, to your point, you can't always fit that into hey because someone got coaching for a year because they went to Empower they perform better as salespeople because it's it's really tough to actually correlate those two, but it doesn't mean it's not work that needs to be done. So like I, I love that we can we can kind of hold space for both that we don't have to put a ruler up to something that's so invaluable, really. And I'm curious for you, like, I, you've obviously been on your own journey. What has shifted for you since you started doing more of this this kind of deep introspective work as a leader, as a human? Like, what's changed for how you show up and who you are? A lot.
2: <laughs> a lot. Uh, you know, if you were on my team in the early days when I, I first came to LinkedIn, it, it's been... I don't know. Uh, Funny is not the right word. Uh, Humbling is not the right word. But in some ways, it's a bit embarrassing if I think about the leader I was back then, who was you know a hard-driving sales leader and all about getting the results and putting in the process, and then thinking about the leader that that I've become and, and evolved into. I'm still, you know, still make mistakes all the time. In fact, I made a couple this week that I, I caught myself not being my best self, but at least I'm super aware of it these days when it happens. But today I think it's a much more it's a much better mix of strong, results oriented and process driven sales leader, but with all of the emotional intelligence and ability to connect with People where they are, you know. I, I think I have a, you know, probably equal mar- equal parts, uh, you know, toughness and super connected, uh, and 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 a softness about me that I didn't have years ago. And that a lot of that is attributed to the the leaders that I was exposed to at LinkedIn and understanding what real leadership looks like and how to inspire people in all different walks of life and all different places that they already, you know, where they meet them where they are and help them. And so, you know, I think it's been a journey. And it's, you know, every time I go through one of the empower sessions we do, you know, I get feedback where I observe and learn. And so I am also on this constant journey of growth as, as well. Uh, and that probably will
0: never change. Yeah, there's kind of no endpoint, right? There, there is no destination with this stuff.
1: <laughs> Always on a journey. You, you mentioned that you believe LinkedIn has been doing, or that we, you said, I think you said we, maybe the leadership your team you're referring to, or LinkedIn, have done a great job managing through this challenging time with COVID-19. And I'm wondering or hoping if you can share with our listeners, what are some of the actions or tactical things that you've done to manage compassionately through this time? And how have you kind of led from the front as a leader in terms of even working remotely, right? That's something that you've been doing for a long time, so you have some really probably good tips and advice for people on that. I know it's been a big conversation, you know, online in terms of different tips and best practices for working remotely, but when we think about that managing compassionately through this difficult time, what can you share with our listeners on that piece?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, the remote thing's actually new to me. I've not ever been remote. I live outside of DC. So we have a small DC office. So I go into that office. I'm not technically remote, but I am for the first time away from my direct reports, which is different. Mm, so that's been, a, I guess, a newer dynamic for me. Although I guess, at any given time, I've only been in the same office with probably 30% of my team, given where we're distributed. So it's, it's a journey for all of us, I think, to figure out how to stay connected and You know, I think probably the biggest challenge has been communication, and I can talk about that in a second. In terms of what I what I've learned and learned not, you know, what I was not doing well. But I think LinkedIn has done an incredible job so far of um, helping us manage through the situation we're in. And then I've tried to do a version of that for my team. And I think both of those start with focusing on your people. Um, If you if your your team and your your people do not feel supported and safe, and 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 like they have the resources and the space to take care of themselves and their families, then you know, I, you, I think you you can't even begin to focus on the work part. And so that's been where I think the company has done an amazing job and where I've tried to follow suit is just making sure that my team has felt like we, we're in this together. We see you, we hear you, we understand what you're going through, and we're going to give you the space and the resources to take care of what you need to most acutely, which is your, your family, And your your health and safety. So that was number one. Number two, what I've learned is it's been more important to be accessible than ever before. So I've always had a really, I think, casual sort of open door policy with my team, but in, in an environment like this, I think it's not enough to say, you know, I'm here if you need me. So what I've done is every Monday morning, we have an all organization-wide quick huddle for 30 minutes. And the first week it was all about just connecting on a personal level. And I shared a little bit about what was going on in my personal life and um, how I was dealing. And I was having some real conversations about how I was dealing with, with the COVID situation and some anxiety and um, some fear that I was I was dealing with. The next week it was about, okay, we, you know we're all going through this together. Let's make sure that we're also focusing on the business continuity at the same time as recognizing that we're still processing. This week was moving a bit more into the, how are we going to support you uh, on the, the, the work side through this, some resources, some tools. I brought in some customers to share with the, the the team you know here's how they're dealing with the situations so that we could you know bring some real life examples and situations that they could um you know relate to and ask questions and, and then you know creating things like office hours so i'm doing those twice a week with the team and we're having you know anywhere from 30 to 50 people call in and sometimes we're just sharing ideas and kicking around some best practices and sometimes we're just talking about life and i'm doing that with the managers as well so a separate session and then my favorite new tactic right now is little voice notes. So whether it's sending a text to someone with a voice note or doing it across Microsoft Teams, which we use for a collaboration tool, I've been just sending people little notes to let them know I'm thinking about them. Or anytime someone crosses quota or a big milestone, I leave them a little message just to have that way to connect without needing to interrupt their day, but letting them know I'm thinking about them. So I think it's you know a combination of all of those things that I'm trying to bring and bring some consistency to. And to be honest, I think some of those will persist long after we're back at the office. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I love the voice notes. I'm like, that's, I'm going to start doing that. That's so good. And it's so simple, but you know, you started with saying the most important thing is just focusing on your people. We've talked so much over the, the last few years about how leadership is now about soft skills and people first. And it, you know, it, it, felt like at times it could be a jargony thing but this is kind of the moment where the rubber meets the road and you know you either as a company or as a leader have the opportunity to practice what we've all been preaching and it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing is saying you know I'm focused on you I'm making sure you feel safe and supported that you're resourced you can take care of your family and then work comes after it's sort of like you're allowing people to put their own like personal mask on first before they, they start to have to, to get anxieties around being in a sales org at a time like this.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're doing our best, that's for sure. And, and, and it is not perfect. I'm, you know, I'm learning a lot about there, there were things that I thought were well communicated or understood and realizing that I, you know, I needed to to communicate even more at a time like this and in different you know forums and formats. So lot, lots of learning and we're, we're figuring out as we go. And one thing that I've been doing that's been great is bringing in other business leaders. And we're having roundtable conversations a couple of times a week so that I can, you know, hope we can share some of the things that are working for us, but we can also learn from other companies.
1: That's awesome. Love, love to see all the collaboration and that people first mentality. So Alyssa, we are coming up on time and would love to hear what haven't you shared with our listeners that you would like for them to know? Well,
2: you know, maybe I'll take it back to the very beginning, which was the question I asked, you know, what what's the hard decision you probably make? And I think this is such an important time. We all are, I think, having to step back from what our normal life was in every facet, whether that was on the personal side, the professional, the social, familial. And reevaluate what's important. And uh, you know, I think I've been doing a lot of soul searching and thinking about, you know, what's my purpose on this planet? And, you know, when, when this is all done and I can start to have a broader impact, you know, what, what will I do differently? And I think that's the question I would leave with everyone is what will you take from this experience of really recentering on what matters and the great gifts that you can bring to the, the people around you? And what are some of the decisions that you will make that maybe you had been forced to or or had an occasion to really think about before. But when we come out of this, what might you do differently?
0: I love that question. Um, I think we're all thinking, God, how can we, if we are fortunate enough to have space and time to reflect on our lives, and even Alyssa, you said purpose, me too. I'm like, that's a whole other recording for us to do together um, around what the purpose of our lives is. But how do we take some of this forward and not forget this time if we're fortunate enough to have it to be reflective? So I love I love the idea of, of thinking through that and bringing some things into, into whatever post-COVID life looks like. Yeah.
1: And how do we make it stick, right? How do we not do it yeah. for just some time, but how do we really make it as part of our lives and, and really take this to be a life-changing time for us? I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for for joining us. This was awesome. I'm sure people who are listening that are, you know, leaders or just wanting some advice have taken some things away. We both certainly have. So um, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh, let's all stay safe. Yeah.
0: Thank you, yes, Alyssa. Absolutely. All right, listeners. Well, thanks for joining us on the journey. If you want more in the arena, you know where to find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play now, and on Spotify. So we will see you next time. Have a great day.